Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 13. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is God's word. Good morning, church. So good to be with you, to sing with you, to um, uh, meet some of you for the first time as well. We are in the middle of a series called Reach, and uh, even if you're just joining us here, it's, it's this idea that we know and the image of the tree is there, and it's one that's kind of, we felt like God has given to us over many years as a church is saying, we have a role and a, and, a, and a goal as the community of Jesus to kind of put roots down deeper into the love of Christ. And that as we get to know Christ more, as Tony said, as we sort of grow in our understanding of who Jesus is and how he has changed everything for everyone, the more it begins to transform our lives. But the closer we get to Jesus, the wider our embrace will be because that's who Jesus was, that we worship in a sense a God who gave himself away, who was not about his own deal and in a sense about his own interest, but gave himself for the ones he loved. And had, you know, the, the most scandalous thing about Jesus was how wide his embrace was <laughs> and how radically inclusive the love of God was shown to be. And so that as we, as Jesus followers, know him more, our embrace is going to get wider. And so we're talking about what does that actually mean for us as a church, as a community, over the next decade as we just sort of turn the page on our first decade as a church. Um, this morning, uh, the, I, I'm going to... I'm going to tag team the sermon with a few other people. The people getting baptized are going to kind of preach the rest of that sermon, so I'm only up here for a few minutes. But I want you to know what they're going to say, even though they're going to say different things because each person's story is unique. In a sense, they're going to say the same thing. And say, God sent his son Jesus to me because he loves me, but because he wants to change me. You will hear those two things over and over and over. In every story about Jesus, you will hear those two things. How God sent Jesus to us to love us and also to change us. When Jesus came into the world, God, in a sense, coming to his people. And he, began to, he did a lot of teaching because he was trying to help people understand who God really was because people had all kinds of weird ideas about who God was. Or, uh, and many of the, the people of the day just sort of thought God was this sort of angry person in the sky who had wound up the world and created it, but sort of waiting to kind of zap us every so often. You know, they call it the seagull kind of management, right? <laughs> you know, some of you have bosses like that, right? That's what, that's what some people thought, okay, this is what God is like. Or other people thought, well, you know, if I can just do these things properly and try to be a good person and say the right things and show up at temple or synagogue or whatever on the right day in the right way and be as observant as I can, then God will bless me and show me favor and he'll love me. As long as I, I do my thing, then he'll do his thing in return. That, some people thought God was like that. And so Jesus was coming actually to correct all kinds of strange ideas about God. Some who thought they were really close to God because they were good people, and other people who thought, you know what, God would never look at me because my life is kind of a mess. And other people thought, well, 
I don't really care that God's there. I'm just going to live my own life. And so when Jesus came, one of the things he was doing all the time was talking about the kingdom of God. And as I said to you a couple weeks ago, the kingdom of God, or sometimes he, he refers to the kingdom of heaven, was not this sort of future someday, one day. But it was saying there is a reality all around you that you don't even realize, but it is reality according to God. That is what the kingdom of, of heaven is like. It is the way God sees the world. And yes, there is a present and a future reality to it, that this life is not all we have. But he was saying, he was constantly telling them stories or parables to try to explain to them what is the kingdom of God like. In other words, how does God see the world? In other words, what is reality actually like? And he tells them this story, two of them back to back. It says one is the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone planted and the, the mustard seed was sort of metaphorical for something very small, very insignificant, but as it gets planted, it becomes this massive sort of um, plant. And in, in a sense, it was kind of a garden bush. It wasn't like this gigantic tree, but in a sense, it was much bigger than anything was planted around it to the point that birds would actually come and share the space. Is my mic not on? Battery issues? Should I just use that other one? There's a blue light. I don't know what that means. Are we good? Okay. Um, he said it's like, a, it's like a little seed and something small, almost insignificant that you almost cannot see and notice, almost like Jesus himself was. You know, he kind of, he, he, he had sort of a marginal impact, it seemed at that time. There was only a few people listening to him. Everyone else was like, we don't know who this guy is. And he says it gets planted in the ground and over time something miraculous happens. Something totally new comes out. And the kingdom of, of heaven or God becomes like this plant and tree and actually birds nest in it. And so there's now this little seed, you know, that birds would have eaten. Like it was so insignificant, seemed so small and powerless, becomes something immense, enormous, and actually something that is totally transformed. Then he gives another picture right after. It's like yeast that gets worked in. Yeast so small, almost imperceptible, but transforms the dough into which it's worked. He's basically saying the kingdom of heaven is something that seems so small, but will change your life forever. In fact, it, it will not only sort of make things grow like yeast, it will actually take who you are and totally change you. That this seed that looks like nothing becomes actually a, a plant that's so big that birds actually find shelter and nest. And in other words, this seed that had really no ability to impact the world totally changes. And in that one story, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, like the reality of God, that it seems small. Sometimes you think, well, I can't see God. You know, is he really there? Something that but is actually changing the world as we know it. He was talking about himself as the fulfillment, seems small. This marginal guy who never held office, only was really known for three years of his life, died at the age of 33, never lived further than 100 miles from his own home, wasn't king, wasn't a political leader, wasn't a military leader, wasn't a business leader, anything. And yet, has anyone changed the world more than Jesus? So small, yet exploded through the rest of history. But I believe it's also a picture of what happens in our lives. When the kingdom of heaven comes in, it seems so small. Maybe you heard it first when you were a little kid and you didn't even know what it, what it was or what it meant. Or maybe you are sitting here right now and, and at a certain point in your life would have said, I'm not interested in that. That's religion. And something got planted in your heart and it totally changed you. And, and you may be in the process, if you're anything like me, you're going, yeah, this is happening still. Still, I am being changed and transformed, becoming, I'm not who I once was, you know, but I'm not yet who I want to be. I'm a person being changed. It's a story of transformation. And this is the story of the kingdom of heaven. And this is the rest of the service today for them stories you're going to hear. They're stories of how Jesus has changed my life. 
something that got planted in my life. And each of our stories is different, and yet, in a sense, they're the same. That when the kingdom of God comes into our lives, it totally changes us. The, the, the baptism ceremony that they're going to take part of, there's nothing amazing about that water. We just got it from the janitor's closet over there. Okay, so it's not holy water. What makes this thing so significant? It is a symbol of wholesale transformation, how radical this is. And in fact, Jesus says, and Jesus modeled it for us, it is like going from death to life. It's like God's saying to it, you and I think, okay, I just need a few tweaks, Jesus. Like if you could just fix this and fix that and maybe change that and rub that edge off. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Who you are and everything is beautiful, but it's broken. It's infected by sin. And so you actually, and that's what's happened when you're first birth, first birth. So you need to die and I'm going to bring you to life and give you a whole new life. It's as radical a transformation as from death to life. And in a sense, as we put those people under, and as I always say, the good news is, Jared, there was a resurrection, so we'll bring him out too. It's symbolic of I'm dying to a mentality that I can change myself and make myself better and all that stuff. And if I just need to try harder or be better or be smarter or, or do better and change, and if I could just break that habit and change this, and Jesus is like, no, don't worry. That's your plan for change. I have a different one. It's death to life. And Jesus went first. That's why the cross and the empty grave are the two symbols of our faith. We die to an old way of living and we get brought to life. That's what baptism symbolizes. To deal with sin that in a sense is killing us from the inside out. And you and I all know that there's stuff that's not right with the world out there. And if you just, you know, just um, scanning National Post homepage last night before I went to bed. And I kind of went to bed with a heavy heart because there's so much pain in the world. So much chaos on every level. And we feel it, but I, I would submit to you that we feel it not just because of what we read out there, but we feel it in here. That there is pain and loss and brokenness within us and there's things that, you know, we'd be embarrassed to tell anybody that's going on in our lives that we say, God, I just need this to change. If only this could change. And Jesus says, yeah, that's why I'm good news. Because your plan to change doesn't work, but mine does. Death to life. But it's interesting, that story, and they're going to tell that story, Jesus came to show me God's love and to change me. We love the love part. We don't like the change part. Like we love to be loved. Peter Gabriel, right? One of my favorite songs. We love to be loved. What do you mean I need to change? I mean, I know that, but why are you telling me that? We don't like that. What do you mean you want to change? That's a bit threatening. What are you going to change exactly? Can I get a list before I say yes? Because God often wants to change different things in our lives. And there's things that we really want, but our plans is kind of tweaks, and God says, no, I'm actually just got to cut that out of your life altogether. I, my plan for change works, but it's way more radical than yours. It's way more dangerous than yours. So we like the love part, but we don't like the change part. You ever notice how, and, and maybe you're sitting here going, you know what, I find some of this Christianity stuff offensive. Or maybe you have friends who are like, why are Christians always trying to you know, tell other people that this is for them. Isn't it interesting that it's the inclusivity of Jesus' love that offends everybody? What do you mean it's for me too? What do you mean God loves me too and has a plan for my life and wants to change me? How dare you tell me I need to change? Isn't that funny? It's the radical inclusivity of the gospel of Jesus' message that is for everyone that everyone finds offensive. But we live in a culture that's like inclusivity is like the number one value we have. And yet when we say, oh, actually God loves you too. And God wants to change you too. We get offended. But listen, it is the friendship every one of us 
has always longed for. What do we want in a friend? Someone who loves us exactly as we are, right? And yet what do we need most is to become more than who we are today. Our deepest longing is actually to be more than who we are. And the dreams and hopes and the goals and the ambitions we have are actually just shadows of a longing to be someone glorious. And God says, yeah, I have that plan for you too. I'm going to make you more and more like Jesus. It is the transforming friendship, as one author has phrased it. It is the friendship every one of us need to be loved exactly as we are, but to be loved way too much to leave us as we are. And the truth is, nobody else can bring that kind of change in our lives. Even we can't bring that kind of change in our lives. Only Jesus, through his loving, miraculous death on the cross and resurrection life, proves at one point both his love for you exactly as you are, and yet his radical plan to change you into the person you and I long to be. That's why his is the one transforming friendship. It is the one that makes all the difference in the world. That's why everybody who's ever gotten into that tank, and I I didn't get into that one, but I got into one, (laughs) has that same story, even though the details are different. And so I want you to listen as they come and share their stories. And Melissa Raimondo is going to come first, and then Dave O and Anna Jew are going to come as well. And I want you to listen. Here's why. Because I want you to hear again of the love of Christ for you. The reason they're coming up here and do this in public, and some of them are like, you know, some people love speaking in public, a lot of people don't. And we always say to them, listen, the reason you need to tell your story is because it's not just your story. It's because there are other people out there. It's because every one of us needs to be reminded of these two things, how much God loves you, and yet how much he wants to change you into more than who you are today. So I want you to listen, not just to enjoy their stories, but to say, maybe you want to rehearse your own story and say, yeah, God, thank you so much that you have loved me and changed me. And some of you may say, maybe this is for me too. Uh, at this point in the service, it's my pleasure to give you a benediction, a blessing, uh, just a word that hopefully uh, is from this Holy Spirit for you. My prayer is that you would realize, you know, when we come alive to the reality of what God really wants to do in our lives. It is like going from death to life. It is like coming out of the scriptures, say, like a slumber, a deep sleep. And so I just want to bless you wherever you are in that spiritual journey, that whether it is happening in this moment or in this week, that in, in short order, in a sense, your eyes will be open to something that has been there all along that maybe you just have not seen, that you would wake up, that you would come alive to the things that God has for you. And that when you do, you say, amen, I'm alive because he lives. Did you receive that?